So this is the lecture, which is Shalom Bias Tips for Single Men. Is that what it is? Kind of is, actually. I guess the point is that there's some things we could learn now, even before we can uh, apply them, and it'll end up better for us in the future. So what does a Bacher have to know about, about marriage? It's a serious question. Maybe, I mean, one approach is you, know, you, need, you need to know nothing and you'll find out about it after the engagement. There's Svara to say that. <clears throat> Certainly, aspects of marriage really don't need to be discussed until, not even after the engagement, but towards the very end of the engagement. And there, you know, I don't have to explain the common sense behind that. But I think there are some ideas that we could start to talk about now, and it'll actually um, it'll help you in the future, and it'll even help you right now. Okay, so let's start like this. As I am sure we're all familiar, the idea of marriage between a man and a woman is a very lofty concept. What I mean is it's not just this person called a man and this person called a woman. It's a yichud zun, right? A unification of the femininity and the masculinity. Za malchus. Familiar with these terms? Right. <clears throat> There's a letter printed in the Igris where the Rebbe explains. Somebody asked the Rebbe, why are there not so many mashalim in Chassidus Chabad? Which is funny because I would have thought there are a lot of mashalim. But the Rebbe understood what the person was asking. The person meant like a long parable, an extended metaphor. Like in other types of chassidus, there'll be like a whole long story that has characters and dialogue, and they represent, each one of them represents a different concept or a different, uh, yeah, here's the tea is coming. That's great, that's fantastic. Thank you. Okay. And in Chassidus Chabad, um, we don't have that. We more have like short little mashalim, like, uh, you know, the way that Chazal used mashalim. Like, you know, something like that. And then it's a one-liner. So that was the question. Why Chassidus Chabad doesn't have so many mashalim? And the Rebbe's answer was very interesting. The Rebbe said that a mashal in Chassidus Chabad is not a rhetorical device. In other words, it's not just a means of effective communication. Sometimes we use a mashal because it's the best way of explaining something. Like if I'm talking about something that's unfamiliar to you, 
it's not going to help for me to describe something that's unfamiliar because you have no context for it. You don't relate to it. So I'm just giving you more and more details that are unfamiliar. But if I can figure out something that's similar but is familiar to you, so I describe the familiar thing in order to build a bridge to the unfamiliar thing. And that's how a mushal is used as a tool of communication. I relate the familiar thing to the unfamiliar thing in order to give you some understanding of the unfamiliar thing. I use it as a bridge. And the Rebbe writes that in Chassidus Chabad, that is not how we use a mushal. The Rebbe says, in Chassidus Chabad, when the Rebbeim say a mushal, they're not comparing two things. They are describing one thing as it exists simultaneously on different levels of ishtalshalus. So we're not saying that a chosin is like zah. We're saying the chosin is nishtalshal from zah. One is an inyan ruchni, lamaila. The other is a physical thing down here in Elam Haza. But it's the same concept, just how it manifests on different levels of reality. And as you know from learning Chassidus, there are two different styles or two different directions in learning. There's hafshata and there's halbasha. Mibsari yachse alika, right? The Pasuk in Eov. But it's in almost every mimer we find from my flesh I perceive godliness. That the keiches and nefesh and nishtalshal from the Aser Sfirois, the same pattern repeats itself in lower and lower levels of reality. And you can go two different directions. You can learn about a darga in Hishtalshlis in order to understand the psychology of a human being. What's that? Halbasha or Afshata? Which direction did I go? Up or down? See, this is both. I'll say it again. If I learn about a darge in Ishtalshlis to give me insight about uh, the psychology of a human being, what direction did I go? There's no agreement here. I'm hearing both, up and down. If... I learn about Zah in order to understand the Chassan. Is that going up or going down? Okay, so I think we need to have an agreement on which way is up and which way is down before we proceed here. Okay, now you're complicated. That's true. That's true, but that's expert mode. Don't don't go there yet. If I learn about an abstract concept 
something for which I have no hasagas mohos. I only have yidias hametzias, right? For instance, like the six emotional attributes of God in the world of emanation, which is called zo. I'm up right now. Now, if I but if I apply that to the chosin, this guy called the chosin. I took it down. That's called halbasha. I was malbish into phenomena of this world. Or I could go the opposite way. I can have an insight about human nature, let's say, about how, let's say, my will and my desire interact as something that I experience in my own day-to-day life. And that allows me to differentiate between two different levels of kasser. So therefore, I, I started with down, and I went up, that's hafshata. So halbasha and hafshata. Halbasha as I bring it down, hafshata as I bring it up. They work in tandem. If I start with the abstract spiritual concept and I apply it to the physical phenomenon, I brought it down, that's halbasha. If I start with the physical phenomenon, the human experience, and I brought it up to learn about the archetype, the spiritual, then I brought it up, that's called Havshota. <coughs> and since we said that a Moshal and Chassidus Chabad is not the comparison of two different things, but rather the description of one thing as it exists simultaneously on various levels of reality. So we could really start wherever you want, and we could work either direction. And the truth is, we do both. So far, so good? Is this too confusing? Okay. So I would like to go in the direction of Al-Basha. I'd like to start with the archetype and I would like to work our way down. Why? Because my goal here is to come up with some practical Aveda. Right? You know, there's the Ovid and the Maskil. So I'm not sure that Ovid and Maskil are directly or exactly interchangeably parallel to... um, Al-Basha and Hafshata, but I think they're pretty similar. I think they're pretty linked. What do you think? Yeah? Sounds good, right? So since I would like to bring this to uh, practical Aveda, so I'm going to start here and I'm going to work my way down. So let's start... in Atsilos. Is that high enough? Should we go higher? Higher. higher. The Alter couldn't write the word Atsilos. Right? Couldn't finish writing it. And when he would speak, he would call it Eben. He wouldn't even say the word. In Atsilos, we have Zo and Malchus. What is Zoh? What is Malchus? And, 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 and I'm, this is called a spoiler alert, but Zoh and Malchus are, you're going to find out, are the predecessors, the prototypes, the archetypes of male and female, respectively. I hope I didn't ruin the surprise for anybody. 
You're familiar with that concept, right? Yes? Okay. All right. I, I mean, didn't want to ruin the suspense. So what's Zuh? Zuh is emotional energies. They're powerful energies. In fact, they are the, the energies with which the entire universe is created. What's lacking about them is that they don't create. They're creative energies, but they don't create. To the contrary, they're not really interested in creation. Zah is sometimes called HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Kuchibrichu. Kodesh means what? Separate. Muvdal. Abgetrakt. So Kuchibrichu is not really interested in lower worlds, in Elamas Biyah. He'd like to not be bothered with trivial things. He wants to be in his own world. He wants to... Uh, not be tied down. He doesn't want to be brought down. That's the nature of Kuchibrichu, of Zah. Well, leave me alone. Let me be in my zone. Let me be in my little world. I'm good. But the thing is, there's, there's, this, there's this other uh, parts of Zah is one parts of, there's another parts of, called the parts of, of Nukva. She's made from one sphere, Malchus. And she attracts the creative energies of Zah. So that Zah gives her his energy. And then she takes that energy. <clears throat> and what does she do with it? What does Malchus of Atzilas do with the energy from Zah? Hmm? She creates, she creates Bria. And then the process repeats itself in Bria and it creates Yitzira and so on and so forth. We said it recently in Chitas, in Tanya Chitas, that Malchus has another name. She's also called Shechina. Maloshin Sheikhenis. That was recently in Tanya Chitas, right? So she's really the opposite of Zoh, because Zoh wants to be Kodeshu Muvdal, he wants to be separate, aloof. And Malchus, Shechina, she's Sheikhenis, she wants to go down, she wants to dwell in the, she wants to go beneath herself. In fact, the Shechina not only is it dwells within us or among us, but even, what does it say, the Shechina dwells among the Jewish people even even in their impurity. So where Zah is very much removed, aloof, Shechina is the opposite. She's getting down you know, in the nitty-gritty and even when things are, things are dirty and she's there. She's not afraid of it. Now, Malchus wants to create, but she doesn't have the energy to create. Because Malchus, less la, la She has nothing for herself. 
Zoh has all the energy to create, but he's not interested in it. And two, the two get together and they create worlds. Doesn't that sound kind of pathetic? That Malchus has nothing for herself? She can't do anything. She's totally dependent on Zah. I think that's the root of feminism, is the attempted rejection of that existential truth. We don't want it to be true. It's offensive. It offends our sensibilities. That she's dependent. She can't do anything on her own. You know something? What's worse than finding a worm in your apple? Finding half a worm in your apple. You read Laffy Taffy jokes too? What's worse than a whole lie? A half a truth. Half the truth is that Malchus can do nothing for herself. That's true. What's the other half of the truth? A true macabre is not a kibble. A kibble is a receptacle. A macabre is a recipient. What's the difference? This cup is, let's say, seven ounces. I'm just guessing. You think it's eight? How many ounces? Anyone knows? Seven. How many ounces of water can I dispense in one shot from this cup? Seven. Okay, what, what about orange juice? How much? Same answer, seven ounces. How many ounces of uh, chicken soup? Still seven. Okay, fine. Because it's, it's, it's a cliquible, it's a receptacle, and all it does is just hold things. It's just a container. You put stuff there, and then you come back and get it, you get it out later. Malchus is not a receptacle. Malchus is not a kibble. Malchus is a recipient, is a macabre. Pshat of a macabre is that whatever she receives, she improves. So Zoh was mashpia to Malchus Malchus turned those energies into an oilam, into a world. She improved upon it. And in fact, the Eivishtes Taiva of Dirabtachtenim can only be reached by, by Malchus giving birth to oilamais. <clears throat> whatever she gets 
she turns it into something more. In fact, it's not just she turns it into something more, she turns it into something incomparably more. Incomparable means be'inareich. So when Malchus gets a hold of the hashba from Zot, she doesn't make it twice as great, she doesn't make it ten times as great, she doesn't make it a million times as great, she makes it incomparably greater. Infinite upgrade. Let's move down Hishtalshlis a little bit. Let's go into this world, but not yet the physical world. Let's go into the realm of time. How are Zoh and Malchus represented in time, in the pattern of time, in the most basic underlying pattern of time? Weekdays and Shabbos. Weekdays and Shabbos. And which is which? Zaz weekdays, Malchus is Shabbos. And they have the same relationship there. Zaz is a doer. The weekdays are for doing. Six days you shall do. And Shabbos, here's half of the truth. It's true. It's half of the truth. Shabbos is the Nebuchal who cannot do anything. It's what Chazal say. That if you toil on Erev Shabbos, you have what to eat on Shabbos. But if it's already Friday night, after candlelighting, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, did somebody make a chol? Go make a No, I'm sorry. Too late. No chol. So Shabbos is so incompetent. She can't even have chon unless Zog gives it to her, unless the six days give it to her. That's half the truth. It is half the truth. The six days can go out and work and earn money to go shopping, to buy potatoes and buy meat and bring it home and peel the potatoes and cut them up and put them in a crock pot and cook them up. And all the malachas, all lamates malachas. Come Shabbos, she can't do any of that stuff. So if she wants chon, she has to get it from her man. That's half the truth. What's the other half of the truth? The, the six days give Shabbos a cholent, and she turns it into something beyond material value. She turns it into a mitzvah. She turns it into purpose, meaning. So she can't get anything that she's not given, but once she gets it, she turns it into something incomparably greater than what she got. In other words, you're going to trade some potatoes and meat for meaning and purpose and warmth and light. That's not like I put in a pound of potatoes and I got back two pounds of potatoes. That's like I put in a pound of potatoes and I got back something you, that no money can buy. So that's, that's, that's a pretty good upgrade. That's, that's in time. If you work your way down, though, we could go into the, into the, the physical part of Elam Hazah. Not just the time, but in the, in the actual...
the physical earth. The earth, the physical earth is, a, is a, an embodiment of Malchus. It's a manifestation of Malchus. So the Kayach HaTzameach is in the earth. But Nebuchadnezzar cannot grow anything until you plant the seed. Now when you plant the seed in Malchus, in the earth, in the, in the dirt. You ever been to England? I was in England twice. Once you were there. I was in England and I was talking about putting the seed in the dirt. Yeah, you're laughing. They said, no, it's called earth. It's earth. I said, earth is a planet. Dirt is, okay. Anyways, you're Americans. You know what dirt is, right? When it gets wet, it turns into mud. It's where you put seeds. It's dirt. Okay, apparently not in England. So when you put the seeds in the dirt, in the earth, in the soil, we use the word soil, in the soil. So what happens? It spits back out a seed that's twice as big, 10 times big, 100 times as big, you put the seed in the earth and the power of infinity is released. It's infinite. It's infinite. Anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only Hashem can count the apples in a seed. You put the seed in the earth and at least Bekayach in potential infinite generations of fruits can be born. But that all happened because of the earth, the Kehach in the earth. But it was triggered by the seed. I don't think this is something that you have to say to Bachram because it says in Pirkei Avis, and I hope everyone learns Pirkei Avis, but Mayan uh, boss, so where do you come from? That's not a compliment. It's not a compliment, right? Not a way to, oh yeah, okay, don't, it's not flattering. Like if you're on Mivtsoyim and you meet somebody, say, listen, you're a very special person. I could tell you come from a tipa surucha. It's not a, it's a put down. It's actually meant to humble us. That's where we all come from. Thanks a lot, Dad. And then what did Mom do? Infinite upgrade. Infinite upgrade. You are infinitely more valuable than a tipa srucha. That's where you come from, and it, it's humbling to remember that those are your origins, but that's not what you are. You are infinitely greater than that. Infinite, not a hundred times greater, not a thousand times greater, not a million times greater, infinitely greater. When your mother gave birth to you, that was an infinite upgrade. I can say this in front of Bachram, but you all know you were born from your mother, right? That's all right to say that? And when you were born from your mother, you had a machevarim, shagidin, and, 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 and you had your, 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 your face and your smile and your personality, your neshama, all that, I mean, that, that's an infinite upgrade. 
So if we want to translate mashpia and makabel, and we spoke about mashpia and makabel on a, b- a bunch of different levels now. We spoke about it as zah and malchus, up in Atzilas. Actually, we spoke about it as far as shemais. In shemais it's called, what? Kuchabricho and shchinte, right? In, in partsufim, meaning sfirais, it's called zah and malchus. In time, it's called six weekdays in Shabbos. In biology, meaning in people, it's called husband and wife. Chosin and Kala. If we want to touch out Mashpia and Mechabal, really, It's not a giver, well, first of all, it's for sure not a giver and a taker, because she doesn't take, she receives. But it's not even giver and recipient. It's really, I mean, if you think about it, it's giver and an even bigger giver. It's giver and an even bigger giver, because she does the infinite upgrade. Every mashpia makabel is like this. So, for instance, more than the balabas does for the ani, the ani does for the balabas, right? Bigger and even a giver and even bigger giver. Or I learned a lot from my teachers, more from my peers, from my students, most of all, right? Giver and even bigger giver. It's always the, the, the incomparable upgrade in every, every mashpia and makabel. Or, or I'll give you another example. You want more examples? Seichel and Dibur. Or, 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 or let's use midais, because a, it's a closer fit to za. <coughs> <coughs> Emotions and speech. Emotions is like za. I mean, in koiches and nefesh, it's the same configuration as za in atzilas, right? That's emotions. Dibur is like malchus, right? So remember what it says in Renat about a person who's speaking. And he gets choked up. He says, I gotta stop talking. I'm gonna cry. Why why? You're gonna talking is gonna make you cry? If there's something that's bothering you. So whether or not you speak about it, if it's sad enough to make you cry, you should cry. The speaking is gonna make the difference. Speech makes you cry. It's the emotion that makes you cry. And if, you, if, if you're not feeling sad enough to cry, then how is talking going to make the difference? You, you say a word and it makes you cry. Remember, it talks about this. And what does it explain? It actually, there's, the question is even more than that. Speech is only a clee for the emotion. It's only a vehicle for expressing what you're feeling. So it's funny. It doesn't even make sense. 
Speech is like Malchus, less klum. It's nothing. It's just a vehicle. It's whatever you put in it. And now somehow the speech is going to have an effect on the emotion, that the emotion becomes more intense. And what does it explain? Yeah. It says yes. That's, that's, a, that's absolutely correct. That when you start speaking, it actually makes the emotions grow. So even though Dibur is the Mechabal, and is just the, the recipient of the emotion, in other words, what you're talking about is the emotion. Talking is the vehicle. What you're talking about is the content. Or, or talking is the, is, the, is, the, is the container, is the kli, and, and the emotion is the ayr, is the contents. So you're going to tell me that the container is going to have an effect on the contents? Yeah, because it's a makabal, it's not a klikibal. If it's just a container, then it doesn't have an effect on the content. Seven ounces is always going to be seven ounces. But if it's like the earth, that's not a container. You put the seed in the earth, it has an effect on the contents. It, 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 it amplifies the seed. In fact, it amplifies it infinitely. What's another example? Neshama and guf. So who's the giver and who's the recipient? The neshama goes into the body. The body gets a soul. And yet, and, and without, the, without the body, I mean, without the soul, the body, the body is dead. And yet, what the neshama ends up getting from the body is incomparably greater than what the neshama can get on its own. The neshama on its own, okay, it's a, it's a beautiful show up there. It's very inspiring. Very, it's a great uh, pyrotechnics show. Laser light show. Apparently, it's extremely pleasurable to watch this performance. They have a lot of hanaf in this Ziva Shrina show. But at the end of the day, what's it all about? Is that the neshama should leave that behind and should go down into a body and should experience the frustrations and the challenges and the distractions and the temptations all so that it can accomplish its shlichus in this world, which makes a dirabatahtaidim and gives the Abishter himself his taiva. Infinite upgrade. Infinite upgrade, again. And then the neshama gets an aliyah, becomes a mahalich. The neshama on its own is an oimid, just like the malachim are oimdim. The neshama in and of itself is an oimid. But then when it, or rather in potential, it's a, it's a mahalich, but that, that potential is only unleashed through its relationship with the body. But at first the neshama doesn't even want to come down. Right? doesn't want to come down to a body. That's a yurida. And it is a Yerida, but it's Yerida Tzedek Aliyah. And how much of an, an Aliyah? Twice of the Yerida? Three times the Yerida? Infinitely greater than the Yerida. Okay. So far, so good. I mean, conceptually at least, you follow the, the ideas. 
Okay. So now is where we have to talk about application. <laughs> and if I were talking to younger light, a year from now we're all meet in the same room and you'll all be in a different category in the right time, those who need to be. I'm assuming if you came to this talk that you'll, you'll take that bracha. No? Yeah? Yeah, you'll take it. Okay. I meant it for everybody. I had everyone in mind. I had general kavana. I one time saw that, by the way. I saw a guy make Kiddush, and then uh, a guy sipped some wine, and the guy said, I wasn't made to you. What? I did not have you in mind. I saw it. What? Everyone but you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so at this point in our discussion, if it would be a year from now, I would take it in a slightly different direction. And I would talk about scenarios that come up in day-to-day -day married life. And I would talk to you about how your wife is the embodiment of the Shekhinah and how everything that you give to her, she will turn it into something infinitely greater. And I would talk about the fact that the husband the job of the embodiment of Zah has to recognize the greatness, the preciousness, the indispensable role of his shechina in his life. And never, ever, ever complain that you're being dragged down. Don't be like Nodav Vaviu, Ratzah without a shuv. Medrash says, they were single. Why were they single? Bishita. They don't want to be dragged down. They don't want to be tied down. Remember the Rebbe talks about there's a few different perushim. And according, you know, the Rebbe's style is to bring them all together and show that they're really one. So they were mechusibagadim. They weren't wearing the big day kohona. Or they were single. You know, they were not married. Or they were drunk. The Rebbe says it's all the same thing. Basically means escapism. But does that surprise you that masculinity would want to escape, would want to go up? That's what Zah, that's what Kuchibrichu, Kadushamuv, Dolap Gitrak, Aluf, that's what it wants to do. That's what all the wives complain. I'm trying to talk to my husband. He's in his own world. That's right. He's a man. He's in his own world. And you're bringing him down. You're trying to bring him into Elam Hazet. What, what do you think? You want to. Or something? Leave him alone. He's an Elam Asaliyadim. Leave him alone. Elam Asaliyadim, or he's checking CNN on his phone, but one or the other. Something like that. In that, in that kav. Escapism. Right? So being drunk is escapism. Being mechusa begodim. We know begodim, levushim, clothing is mitzvah smaisius. 
So that's escapism, right? I want to meditate, but I don't want to do. I like the ideas, but I don't like the practice. Like the Miraglam syndrome. By the way, you ever heard this word? Sat Lakutitera blew my mind. And I, and, I, and, I, and I don't know how I missed it. It's one of the early Maimodim. I'm saying early like, you know, okay. Anyways, you should learn the whole Tera and Lakutitera every year that I've said. You should learn. But sometimes when you, when you don't finish, but at least there's the first you know, couple pages that you learn. What is it? Shlach lecho anoshim. Right? Whether it's my bar mitzvah parsha, shlach. That, that's why I know that posik. Shlach lecho anoshim. Alter Rebbe says, anoshim, only anoshim could do something like that. It's such a men's mentality. You're being brought into the land. Embrace it. No, 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 no. I don't like the land. I don't want to get my hands dirty. I don't want real life. Oh, no. Please. I want to stay in yeshiva my whole life. I want, don't bring me down. So the Meraglam were anoshim. Dafka is a masculine mentality. And that's why they despise the whole idea of getting practical. They wanted theory, not practice. That's a male thing. So if you were all married, I would tell you about, you know, don't, don't make jokes when uh, it's 2 p.m. on Shabbos and, and you have to go home to make Kiddush. You should be lucky. You should feel lucky. You should feel fortunate that there's, there's an anchor in your life. You know, there's a terrible, this, 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 this disgusting expression that you hear by the Goyim. Uh, they refer to, I mean, you've heard it, I mean, it's a common expression, the old ball and chain. You could look at a wife as a ball and chain, you could look at a wife as an anchor. She keeps you from flying away. And if the Abish, this whole kavona is in Elam Hazen and did a I would think you'd be appreciative of that. Unless you don't like the Abish there either. You don't like your wife, you don't like God. They usually go together anyways. I shouldn't say you don't like, you resent, you resent. But I'm not going to get into all that discussion. I can't do it because whatever, I can't, I can't. And it's, 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 it's premature. There's no reason to, to, to have these discussions. Um, but what I, what I think I can talk to you about now that will be helpful now and later, but it'll even be helpful now, is, <clears throat> is this. If... Mashpia and Makabal is really a giver and an even bigger giver. Then what's the identity of the Mashpia? In other words, my, my identity is that I'm, that I'm a giver. And then I'm not only the only giver, she's also a giver. In fact, she's a bigger giver. Then, then what am I? I have no identity. What makes me special? You hear the question? Do you know that this is something that a lot of Yungalites struggle with? 
I mean, not in those words, but <clears throat> that, that feeling. <clears throat> so then what makes the mashpia special? If he's, not only, if he's not even the only giver, in fact, she's a bigger giver than he is. What makes him special? What is he offering the relationship? It's true, she's a bigger giver. So that's his, his, the fact that he gives isn't what makes him a mashpia, isn't not what makes him special or sets him apart. She's a bigger giver. But he has to give first. When she doesn't give, or when, he do, when he doesn't give, then she has nothing to give back. She's a bigger giver, but she gives back. So, what makes a mashpia a mashpia, what makes a man a man, is that he gives first, he takes the initiative. He doesn't set preconditions on when to give. He doesn't say, and it's, it's, it's tempting to say it, because what, what's, what takes more vulnerability, being a giver or being a recipient? Mishbir Makabal is more vulnerable. We would think that the macabre is more vulnerable, but the mashpia is actually more vulnerable. The mashpia is actually doing something. You could be judged for what you're doing, for how you're doing it. And plus, you've got to make the first move. You've got to initiate, so that's embarrassing as well. Being a mashpia takes a certain vulnerability. It's a risk. It's scary. By the way, by Matan Teira, Shavuos is coming up. The Ebishter made himself vulnerable. He says, I'm ready for you guys. Do you want it? Let me know. I, <laughs> I showed my cards already. I told you. I want you guys. That was vulnerable. So there's a temptation to say, listen, when I feel safe, when I feel respected, when I feel taken care of, um, then I'll be a giver. And it doesn't work that way. And when a husband feels a sense of entitlement, and, you know, today's modern men, they're not, you know, not so gruff about it. Not like, you know, I'm the king of the castle. They say it in sensitive words. They give it emotional words. They describe it in a more sensitive way. But they're really saying the same thing, is that, you know, I want to be treated a certain way, and then I'll man up. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. 
So if a man walks through the door after a hard day at work and he expects his wife to fill him up emotionally, that is a disaster waiting to happen because he's trying to take from her. And that's the wrong direction. He has inverted the entire Seder Ishtalshlis. He wants that Malchus should be Mashpiatazah. It's not how it works. And then they end up fighting, and everyone's crying, and everyone's frustrated, and they don't know why. Instead, and I know why men walk through the door and want their wives to take care of them. Because your first relationship with a woman is your mother, and she takes care of you. And we're used to that dynamic. But if you look for your wife to become a mother, that means you become her child. And that is not, that is not a man. When you become your wife's child, the formula for disaster. Disaster. You have to be a husband, which means to be a man. And that means to be a giver who gives first, without preconditions. So a husband walks through the door, and what should he do? He should immediately start giving. And it doesn't matter what he's been through and how the world beat him up out there. It doesn't matter. You can't fight nature. You, can't, you cannot fight nature. These are, these are just the way the Abishta made reality on every level of Ishtaushalist. You, you, you can't reverse the direction that it goes. You can't tell your wife, I'll be pregnant. It doesn't work. It's not the direction that it goes. It goes the other direction. So when the man walks through the door, he has to fill his wife emotionally. Put the focus on her, put the attention on her. And he says, I, but I can't do it. Yeah, you can't. You know why? Because actually all you have to do is fill her up. That means satisfy her emotionally. Focus on her. I know you want to fly away because you're you're, you want to be elsewhere, and this is, but focus on her, fill her, and then what she does, she becomes pregnant from that energy, and then what does she do? She takes that energy, the little bit of energy you gave her by actually like focusing on her for 10, 15 minutes, and she gives birth to enough energy to fill up the whole house, enough for the whole family, for all the kids, maybe for the, you know, for the whole neighborhood, for the world. Infinite upgrade. She does that heavy lifting, not you, but you got to move first. You got to take the first initiative. You got to go first. At any rate, I said I'm not going to get into the protem of married life, but just a general concept for you to have in mind that when you get married, you're making an agreement that you're always going to be the one who has the burden of creating the emotional energy. So don't be the one who, you come home, 
from shul at noon and you're sitting around on your phone until your wife finally says, so, uh, Tati, do we have any plans for the kids today? I don't know. What do you want to do? You have to be the initiator. Bring the emotional energy. It's like Chochman Bina. They're also masculine and female. Chochman Bina is just in Moichen. Zon Malchus is in emotions, but Chochman Bina is in Moichen. So Chochma has to start first. If Bina doesn't have a Nakudas Chochma to elaborate on, she has nothing to think about. Chochma only has to give a Nakuda. And then she'll develop it. But he has to start. He has to give the Nakuda. So you come home 9 o'clock from Shul on Cholamayid, and you say, Mommy, let's take the kids out to the zoo. Now, in the end, she's going to develop that, and it's not going to be the zoo. It's going to be the aquarium, because zoo is not a good idea, and it's not going to be whatever. She'll, she'll adjust it. She'll make it actually make sense in real life. But you have to at least, you know, you, pre you present the Nakuda. You get it started. Get it started. And then you're happy, and she's happy, because you're a mishpia, and she's a Okay. And the kids are happy. But again, like I said, I'm not getting, I said like five times, I'm not getting into the pratim of married life, and then I, and I keep doing it. But um, I, I, no, I'm just speaking general. These are general concepts. These are not just general rules. Now, here's the thing. So everyone in Mitzvah Shem will be able to use this uh, very soon. And, uh, you know, you'll get engaged soon, and then we'll, we'll have another talk. You know, God willing, you know, and we'll uh, maybe we'll get into more details, more scenarios, more, you know, practical examples. But for, for now, let's let, let's leave it as general as I made it now, because I think everyone gets the main idea, <clears throat> right? You get the idea. In fact, if you get the idea well enough, then you can just apply it to every case that comes up. Um, but let, let's remember, I said it could help you now. I wish I weren't being recorded, but I am, and I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I should really be uncomfortable about saying this because, frankly, I think it's necessary to say it in this world. All right, that was my disclaimer. I said it out loud. <clears throat> I saw a guy give a talk. Um, he wrote a book, you know, an expert on it. And he, he wrote a talk, he, 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 he gave a talk where he was explaining that while Americans, maybe the whole world, but I think it was more about Americans, um, have an, at least now in this culture today, in the, unfortunately, the, de the moral decay that is going on in the world, have a very accepting view of pornography. And his whole thesis was that don't think it's a victimless crime. I mean, it's not a crime, unfortunately. It's not illegal, I know, fortunate, unfortunate. I don't know how much of a libertarian you are, but uh, whatever. It, the, the fact is, look, even if it's not uh, illegal, people... The point is, he was saying, it hurts women. There's no way that it doesn't hurt women. It hurts women. And I watched the guys, I think I watched five minutes of the talk, actually. I don't think I finished it. And I thought to myself, wow, that's, that's not the talk that I thought he would give. 
I, I mean, maybe it's an important talk for somebody, but I think he should have explained. I mean, he was trying to convince people to stop watching it. That's, that's what he's trying to do. That was his goal. I would say it hurts men. It's absolutely destructive for the male psyche. Because what does it do? If you think about it, what a man is, and I'm not just talking about in these and yonim. I'm talking about on every level, emotionally, psychologically, a male is a mashpia. Well, the entire definition of this activity is being a complete, passive, selfish taker, a macabre. So, and, and, the, but, and then befrat, to, be, to turn yourself as a man into a macabre in this Indian that is the greatest, that's supposed to be the greatest expression of your, your being a mashpia. In other words, the whole Seder Ishtalshlis gets flipped upside down. It, it literally, the world gets flipped upside down, and, and it's not going to destroy lives? Impossible that it won't. So it's, I'm not even talking here about... I'm not even talking here about uh, the Isser. I mean, I, I, if people, look, the Shulchan Aruch and everybody knows halacha. But I, I'm ta- let, me, let, let me just talk on, a, on, a, on an emotional level, on a psychological level, how unhealthy that is to put yourself in that position. When a bacher, and for that matter, a younger man, looks where he's not supposed to look. Okay, and I'm not even talking now about, about, the, about the schmutz. I'm talking about walking down Kingston Avenue. And you look where you're not supposed to look. What's the avlo? What's the... What's happening at that moment? You know, it talks about, uh, you know, in Chassidus, about Datscham, right? About Deim Tzmeich Chaim Medaber, and that the person eats the chicken, even though it's, it's, it's lower than him, but it has a higher shoyrish than him. So actually, when you're doing the chicken a favor, you're giving the chicken an aliyah, right? Because the chicken can't daven, can't do mitzvahs, can't learn Torah. So you eat the chicken, and you give the chicken an aliyah. But if you eat the chicken, l'shem taiva, you eat the chicken like you're a chicken, so you didn't do the chicken any favor. And in fact, you didn't even leave it where it is. You, you gave it a yerida. You, you lowered it. You lowered it. Because when the chicken eats like a chicken, that's what it's supposed to do. But when you eat like a chicken, that's, that's degrading. You're degrading yourself. 
I'm not comparing a woman to a chicken, in case anyone was thinking that. I know sometimes when you speak in Mishalim, people get really, really caught up in the pratim of the mashal, and then I'm talking about the fact that when you're meant to be the giver, when you eat a chicken, you're supposed to be giving to the chicken. You're giving that chicken an aliyah. You're doing the chicken a favor. But when you eat the chicken l'shem taive, not only are you not doing the chicken a favor, you are <coughs> degrading the chicken, and you're degrading yourself because you're being makabal from a chicken. You're higher than a, than, than a chicken, and you're getting hano. You're being makabal hano. You're taking, you're drinking it in. You're pulling in this, 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 this uh, hano from a lower place than you. It's degrading. So if a man is a giver and a woman is a recipient, when a man looks at a woman, and you're going to say, what happens if a woman looks at a man? I don't know. It's not our problem. Honestly, it's not the discussion here. It's not germane. It's a different problem. It's not the same problem, by the way. It's not equal opportunity. It is a problem, and it's a different problem, which is none of your business. But when a man is looking at a woman, he's being makabal. He's being makabal hanah. You're taking something from her. You should never ever take anything from any woman, even your wife. You should get back what you've given to her, only your wife. So there's really nothing for a man to receive from a woman except for his own wife to whom he's mashpia, and then he gets back his own hashpa in infinitely upgraded format. But when, you, when, when you're makabal, when you turn yourself into a makabal, where you're going, you're seeking, you know the difference between love and lust? Love gives, lust takes. When you're loving, ahava, have, you're giving. When you're lusting, you're taking. A year from now, we'll have the same talk. Even younger light have to know, don't take from your wife. It's not a good formula. Oh, when you're engaged, I'll give you the talk about how suddenly becoming married doesn't suddenly make all the lustful things permissible. It doesn't. The same stuff that was grub and dehumanizing and degrading before continues to be. It's just now you finally have an opportunity to be a giver in that context. But if you're going to be a taker, disaster. A bacher can only be a taker. So the whole area needs to be my way of dealing with it is to not deal with it. I'm going to table this part of my life I'm going to develop myself as a mashpia in other ways. And so that hopefully when I get married, I'm going to be healthy, and I'm going to be a giver, and I'm going to be selfless, and an initiator on all the levels in, in, that I need to be in my, in my relationship. By the way, I, I was speaking to some bacham 
about this idea. Not as in detail as I'm saying to you and to whoever's watching this video, but um, I just, I said, actually I said it Beremis. They were younger Bachram, so I didn't want to say, I didn't want to spell it out so much, but I, I said, look, when a Bachar looks where he shouldn't look, you know, there's, there's a posuk in Tila, mitzvun chatemale bitnam. And uh, the the Tov explained, mitzvun to be tzoyfe means to look. This, is a, like, this sounds like Musa, but the Baal Tov said it. Mitzvun from you're being tzoyfe, from your gazing, from your looking, the 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 uh, the tummies of the chitzaynim bitnam means uh, their tummies their stomachs the the chitzaynim fill their stomachs you know, there's a yinikas a chitzaynim anytime you try to take something you shouldn't be taking so then you know you learn kuntzus amayin so then there's this runoff and then the the, the, there's a yinikas achetzeinim, and then it feeds. It's, it's not a good stuff. It's not good. You know, you shouldn't do it. It messes, messes everything up. But the, the point is, so I was saying to some bacham, um, like, more, like teenagers, I just said it more, you know, beremis, just uh, you know, when, you, when, when, when a, a bacham looks where he shouldn't look, so you, you're taking, and that you're not meant to take. When you get married, you'll become a giver. You give to your wife, but don't, don't take from a woman. So, Actually, like a month or two later, I got a call from one of these Bachem, or maybe from his friend or his mashpia, wanted to clarify something with me, that um, the, the, the Bachem's, I think, sister wanted to give him some money for something, or pay for something for him, and he wanted to make sure it was okay. And I, I mean, what do you think the answer is? No problem. It's not a problem. What, in, 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 in your Chabad house, if a lady will come bring you a check, you can't take it? Why? What's the difference? Because then, it's a woman, it's a man. It, it, it's not something that has any gender specificity to it. Could be anybody who's who's, uh, who's giving you the check. I'm saying, and everybody here, we don't have to look. If you don't know what I'm talking about, God bless you and your innocence. If you do know what I'm talking about, so I don't have to spell it out, which is taking in ways that are specific to the fact that you are this gender and this other person is another gender, and and that is what inverts the entire. Say the Rishdalshlis, where Mashbia and Makabal are supposed to be giver and even bigger giver. And instead, you're turning yourself into a taker. Which is why, by the way, it's never satisfying. Because a Mashbia can only be satisfied by being a good giver. A Mashbia will never feel satisfied by being a taker, a Mashbia will always feel frustrated and ashamed of being a taker. But he doesn't know that, because there's a certain immediate thrill or pleasure in taking, so he, he thinks he likes it, but he doesn't. And the proof is that it doesn't satisfy him, doesn't fill him up.
there, there are, there's a whole society around us that makes trillions of dollars by turning us into takers. It wants us to be passive. It wants us to be entertained. It wants us to be constantly craving more input, more stimulus, right? And, and they're just bombarding us with, 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 with images, with constantly, and we're supposed to just pull it all in. And it's just such a perversion of the whole reason that we came to this world. We, were, we weren't here to be, you know, sometimes you hear Mashpiyam talking, and maybe I'm not sure if, if you're getting what it really means. You're not here to be a macabre. You're here to be a mashpia. Don't be influenced. Be an influencer. Let me spell that out maybe a little bit more like down-to-earth terms. You weren't here to get anything from this world. What does this world have to offer you? You're in the Shema. This world has nothing to offer you. The whole Elam Hazeh has nothing. You have to offer it. You're the Mashpia. You're the giver. The only thing is, when you give to this world in the right way, which means to use this world for doing mitzvahs, ah, then the world ends up giving back. But you have to make the first move. You have to invest something. You have to put something in. You're really only getting back out what you put in. But just to show up in this world and start being macabre from the world, stuff that's not your own hashba, didn't come from you, has nothing to do with your mission, has nothing to do with you being active. So it, it's absolutely degrading. And it, and, and it feels awful. Feels awful. So the first preparation for marriage is be careful about the direction that these things flow. Don't let them flow to you. Don't drink it in. Don't pull it in on any level. And as far as having where to be mashpia, where to give your ashba. Okay, there's no, there's no outlet for it right now, which is, which is good because um, you're supposed to, I mean, I, I don't know how to say this, but you're supposed to come to an age where, it's not an age, it's a, it's a, it's a matzah, it's a, it's a mindset, but you're supposed to come to a point in your life where you're actually frustrated and annoyed at being single. And you say, but I, I have what to give, I have what to offer. If you get married and you're thinking, you have what to gain from it? <laughs> the wrong approach ask now what you can what your country can do for you what you can do for your country right but if you're feeling like well i already have what to offer i have what to offer as a husband that's what i i i, I want to be i want to have a way to give my hashba ah, then you're ready to get married and you probably should be and you probably will because you're frustrated that you don't have a place what by the way, what's more frustrated who's more frustrated a mashpia who has no makabal or a makabal who has no mashpia Remember I asked you before, who's more vulnerable, Meshpia or Makabal? So I'm asking you a second question. Who's more frustrated, Meshpia who has no, no Makabal or Makabal who has no Meshpia? Meshpia without a Makabal. 
Because Mishpia has what to give and nowhere to give it. The Makabal, I'll be all nisht. If you give a shpah, I'll do, I'll do great stuff with it. You don't give a shpah, okay. Tzamech Tzadik explains a whole arichus about Esther Karka Oilam. Right? The whole discussion about Esther and the Chashverish. Esther Karka Oilam. Malchus. Malchus is, is like Karka Oilam. So a Mechabal, when you, when you give to the Mechabal, you give. It's, it's a, in a certain respect, it's passive. Or an, until it gets the Ashba, then the work begins. But if, if it's not getting any Ashba, okay, so it's comfortable. It can sit there dormant. And it's, that's why, generally speaking, it's not... Uh, a, a, a woman who's single is a lot more functional than a man who's single. When, when, when men are single too long, it, 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 it's, not, it's not healthy for us because we're frustrated mashpiyim. But the frustration is good. It's good because it forces you to find a makabal, find the right makabal. So right now is a great time to work on being a man, which means um, being a giver, not a taker, being proactive, not reactive, um, being strong in your vulnerability. in all the ways that are appropriate to do, in any opportunity you have for being a mashpia now in the ways that are appropriate, that's all great preparation for the rest of your life. And to really avoid ever turning yourself into a macabre, which you're not, it's called uh, transgender. You're acting like a woman. You're trying to make yourself into a macabre. You look where you're not supposed to look. You transgenderized yourself. Now I said it like that, right? Now I'm making an impression. What? Really? It's a, it's a time to... It's a time to get past any feeling of entitlement that you might have, um, any feeling that you're owed anything. It'll just it'll it'll make married life and all life so much better when you realize nobody owes you anything. You were not sent to this world to get anything. You were sent to this world to give something. You have awesome powers. You have an important mission. You have an a unique contribution, that's what you're sent here for. Not, not to be makabal hanah from anything, not to be a taker, not to... Does all of this make sense? At least conceptually. 
might take time to connect to it emotionally, but at least the seichel of it is clear. Yeah? How are we doing on time? We're over time, under time. We take, take a few questions, you think? Yeah, okay, I can do a few questions. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Be a man. Make the first move. Initiate. question was, as a bacher, when you're learning Torah, you might want to be a makabal. Um That's a very important point you made. It was one time I was speaking somewhere, a very, very uh, liberal audience, and this, this woman, uh, um, she became, I guess, upset, and she said... Uh, why do you keep referring to God as he, with the masculine pronoun? You keep calling God he. I said, because he's my husband. <laughs> that slowed her down for a minute so I could think of an answer. And I said, you know... Uh, in in my in my uh, marriage to my wife, I'm the husband. But in my marriage to God, I'm the wife. And my ability to be a husband comes from the fact that I'm a wife. I think a lot of married men need to, again, we're going to we'll get back together in Shem in a year, six months, three months, a month? No, that's too much. Okay. We have to make a lachai, we have to, okay. <laughs> huh? After the video gets out, it's going to be over. No one's going to invite me anymore. A lot of married men feel like this frustration or this fear, like, I don't have what to give. And, and the Eitzah, and like I said, we'll talk about it more when you're married, but is to remember, hold on a second. Just like you are a mashpia to your wife, who's your makabel, you are a makabel to Hashem, who is your mashpia. So really, all the hashpah that you're giving her, where do you get it from? Who do you think gives you that? Whether it's you know, financial, a man you know, goes out and he works and he earns money. I'm working so hard to support my family. You're making a cleaf upon us. The Abish is giving you, it's, the Abish does hashpah, and you turn around and you give it to your wife. Or emotionally, where do you get the kayach? Where do you get the energy? The Abish does mishbiachayas. So it's very important to remember that you're also a wife. Now, if you're a woman, you're, it's easier. It's, very, it's much easier to be a woman. That's what I'm saying in this crowd. When I talk to the women, then I say it's so hard to be a woman. But as if I know, right? But I do kind of know because of my relationship with God. Okay. When, 
women get to be wives all the time. It's consistent, at least. There's no kafakela. A woman is a wife in her marriage to her husband, and she's a wife to Hashem. A man, you have to, you have to, you have to sort of stand at this doorway, and you have to pivot. Sometimes you're this way, sometimes you're that way. And wife, husband, and um, that's why men need reminders that, that we are wives. Like, for instance, I heard... Uh, What's, what's the Piddush of the bracha shalei asani isha? Why does a man have to make, why he make such a bracha? So shalei could be with an aleph, or shalei could be with a vav. It's both. Shalei asani isha with an aleph. He didn't make me an isha. Ah, biologically, you know. But shalei with a vav, he made me his wife. And because I'm not a regular conventional woman, like a real woman, I, have to, I need the reminder every single day that in the context of my relationship with him, Shaloi, when I'm his, I am a woman. I'm his woman. And also Shaloi is an Evid, he made me his Evid with a Vav, and Shaloi is an Egoi, he made me his nation, so on and so forth. Or, or, or Tfilin. Women don't have to put on Tfilin. Because the whole Tfilin is, is, is a reminder of your own femininity. Yeah, it's a whole thing, Alpi Kabbalah, that the, the bias of the shalyad is supposed to be like a rechem, it's like a womb. And, uh, and, uh, and then the straps, like the cord from the, from the baby, and then you wrap around the finger to make a ring. It's like a, a, a wedding ring. And like the chosin tells the kala, at mukudeshesli, right? So you, say, you make a bracha. Asher kedishonu b'mitzvesov. Altar talks about it in Tanya. What's the kavana? Asher kedishonu doesn't just mean you made me holy with your mitzvah. You betrothed me. Like the Altar says, like a, like, like, like a man does to his wife. So we have all these reminders as men that we're the Abishter's wife. And why? Because the better wife you are to the Abishter, the better husband you're going to be to your wife. So to answer your question, yeah. When you are learning Torah, you are being Mechabal from the Abishter, you're being the Abishter's wife. But like any good wife, you want to give back infinitely more than what you got, which means that the Abishter gives you Torah as it is, or how it's been developed up till this point in history, and you have a Chiyav to be Mechadish. The Tere Shabal Peh should, should continue to expand through you. By the Tere Shabal and Tere Shabal Peh is also masculine and feminine. Tere Shabal is finite, has a finite number of letters that never expand. You can't add or take away, God forbid. Tere Shabal Peh continues to expand forever. It's an infinite... So you can't have a Tere Shabal Peh without Tere Shabal You can't have a, a Makabal without a Mashpia. But once the mashpia is, is mashpia to the makabel, once Tere Shabal implants its letters into Tere Shabal Peh, Tere Shabal Peh can elaborate upon it infinitely. There is no end. There's no end to Tere Shabal Peh. It never ends. When two chavrusas are sitting in, in Zal and, and somebody says something in a way that was never quite said before, Tere Shabal Peh is continuing. So that's a, that's a situation of you're giving back to the Abishter more than he gave you. That's being a good wife. Yeah.
Okay, so the two-part question is, is it okay to expect that the Macabal should expand on or improve on what we give? And the second part is, if there's a deficiency in the Macabal, is it always the Meshpia's fault? So the answer to the first question is, you could expect whatever you want, but it's probably not healthy. They say expectations are premeditated resentments. So it's probably best don't expect anything. Just be pleasantly surprised if anything good ever happens in your entire life. Don't worry. It's, I'm only 99% serious. It's a joke. 1% joke. Every truth has a little joke. But in answer to your second question, if there's something deficient in the macabre, is it always the Meshpia's fault? No, it's not. It's not. We're not going to say it's always your fault. But who cares whose fault it is? The only thing you have any power over, any choice over, is what type of Meshpia you are. So you can change your hashba. You can improve your hashba. Um, but that's all you have any control over. I mean, you, the macabal may change up the way that she's macabal, but you, you, you can't force that. You can't expect that. And okay, I mean, if, if in, a, in the rare circumstance where the macabal cannot be macabal from this mashpia, so then there's not a marriage. And in those rare and Tragic cases, then if, if it's not a Mashpia Makabal relationship on, in, on any level, well, you have to call it what it is. But in most cases, in the overwhelming majority of cases, there are ways of learning how to be a better Mashpia. And I'm saying in most cases, if someone's going to tell me that. You know, I've tried everything, nothing works. Okay, I believe you. And there are such cases. But usually, usually, the, the problem is that the mashpia is not really truly being a mashpia. Um, the, the, the man is trying to take, he's trying to get. Um, being a giver is a, a, giving is real giving. Chesed is chesed chinam. Giving is not investing. If someone gives you a matona, it doesn't mean they get to come back and charge you interest. So uh, it, it's a masculine thing to just be bisrachvus, just to be a giver. I mean, obviously, within realistic limits, you have to know what you can give and what you can't give and what, uh, what you know, don't write a check that you can't uh, back up. But most cases, most cases, if you'll really search your motives and try to get in touch with being a pure giver, a real giver, a selfless giver, that will at least improve things somewhat, if not tremendously. We have any other questions? Yeah. Working with women professionally? Tough situation. Um, 
but it's something that we, we have to deal with. Um, look, all the stuff that you know already about um, the separation, you know, the certain boundaries, it's all 100% true. Um, Yichud for sure, for sure, but not just Yichud. There are, look, this is great that I'm on video so I can say all my controversial statements. I think that people became so dependent on being told what to do I, okay, the, to, when you have, for instance, the halachas of tznias, do we need to really be told to the inch? I mean, you guys, but maybe you heard your sisters talking about this stuff. There's a certain spirit of the law, <clears throat> and if you don't get the spirit of the law, then writing more letter of the law you, you, you can't legislate common sense. You can't make people have a sensitivity that they don't have. So when, when it, all the stuff that it says in halacha is 100%, I mean, Shulchan Aruch's not trying to cramp your style. It's not trying to interfere with your day. It's trying to keep you safe and healthy. But what I'm saying is it's even more than that. It's a spirit. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. It's an attitude of, of having a certain sensitivity that how do I how how do I put this? In theory, you could marry any woman. In theory. Now, we have a Muna that you're going to marry your Bashert. But in theory, so why should it feel differently to you? Why should the experience be different to you relating to a woman who's not your wife than relating to your wife? And the answer is, you, can, you cannot control the fact that it is the same experience. The only choice you can have, the only control you have, is not to have the experience. And that means to filter the interactions. So there's certain interactions that, by definition, is a, is, is, is a, is a marriage-like interaction. In fact, there's a term for it. I don't know if uh, I'm introducing now I shouldn't, uh, I don't know, I shouldn't be the first one to introduce these terms. But there's, there's a term. I mean, it's in, 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 in offices, they use this. It's like a known thing. It's called a work wife. You heard this term? Oh, a work wife. I heard, I heard people discussing this. They said, oh, do, you, do you have a relationship? Are you dating? No, no, that's, that, that's my work wife. It's like, an ex it's like a man and a woman in a workplace who like have each other's back, and then they have this sort of like, 
It's, and it's, they're not, they don't have a personal relationship outside of the office. It's only in the office. It's only in the office. Nothing, nothing going on outside of the office. But, but you can see it. It's a, it's a, it's a Meshbiyah Mechabal relationship. And um, that's damaging in a different way. We're talking about more when you turn yourself into a makabal, how damaging that is, because you're really a mashpia. You shouldn't be being makabal. Then there's another kind of damage is where you're being a mashpia, but not in a in a in, not in the not to where you should be mashpia. So, and 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 what's happening there when you're mashpia where you shouldn't? Every mashpia makabel is going to be moiled something. Something's going to be born from it. I mean, mashpia makabel. There's no way to avoid it. The makabel will become pregnant from the mashpia. Something will be born. An emotional energy. You know, peruchnias. Something happens. It's a spiritual mamzer. So you you have to be. Yeah, there's a filter. You have to be careful. So I, I, I just want to be clear. I'm talking about two different things. One thing is making yourself into a macabre, which is a total perversion of your, of, of, of your manhood, and it causes frustration and, 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 and sadness. The other is um, a misplacement of your manhood. Being a man, but a mishpia, in a, in a context that it, it, it cannot give birth to anything productive. So uh, you want to you be careful about that. You wanna, uh, again, you can't write a, a, a code. You can't make a, a set of rules. I mean, there's already a shulchan aruch. There's already halachas. Yeah, but it's beyond halacha. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sensitivity. If you feel like you're playing house, you know it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest and stop it. Anything else? Yeah? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's a myth that women are more spiritual. Um, you know, there's a zamaimer from the the Alter Rebbe in my Moram Ketzarim, and he asks, why is why do Polish people play the polka music? You know, like the march songs, and the Arabs sing sad songs. They play the violin, ah, you know. When Esav is gvura and Yishmael is chesed. Should be punkt fakert. So he explains, a nation sings for that which they do not have. So Esav, which is gvura, his songs are happy. And Yishmael, who is chesed, his songs are mournful, are, are gvura. So... 
Chosen is nchus darge, go down a level. Kala is moshen klois hanafish, expiring, going up. So the attraction of chosen to kala is that it pulls him down. And the attraction of kala to chosen is it pulls her up. But without each other, without each other, then chosen is up, kala is down. And, and, and they continue to, to spread in, in that direction. So you have to look at it in two contexts. What is, what is what the, the masculinity is separating oneself from the world. But Bepoil, when there's a, an attraction to a macabre, that's what pulls him down. So it's, it, there's where each one is standing, and then there's where it's pointed and where it's facing. Okay, I'm, I, I'm supposed to end here. Okay, great. Shkaya, thank you. You can hear good news.